Hello, a little word of warning that this podcast contains swears and use of explicit sexual language. Therefore, it is not suitable for anyone under the age of 18. Or anyone who thinks only the Dark Ages had dungeons. Hello all and welcome back to Smut Drop. This is your weekly roundup to the more eccentric side of sex and relationships from metro.co.uk. I'm Miranda Kane and on this week's show I'll be looking at the most common things people hate about their partners and I'll be talking to Skullcandy Brie, Skullcandy Brie, about creating kinky content. If you like what you hear then please rate, review or at least subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and I hope you're ready because I'm about to lie back and think of England. Hello, 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 dear listener. So this week I've been reading about all the things people secretly hate about their partners, according to therapists. Have you got a pet peeve about your significant other? How do you cope? Do you talk to them or do you just let it fester until you can't stand to be in the same room? Let me just drop to the hint. One of those options is really healthy and one of them is not. But obviously I can't skip to the end just yet. Metro found some experts to weigh in on what things their clients often hate about their partners and how these things can be handled in the relationship. Starting with, drumroll please, each other's friends. Oh, so counselling directory member Georgina Sturmer tells us that sometimes this brings added joy into lives, but sometimes it adds extra stress and frustration. Perhaps you don't really like the people your partner hangs out with, or you don't like the way your partner behaves when they're with their friends. What are you going to do? The other thing that people secretly hate about their partners is their anger. Now, Anger, in and of itself, is a normal emotion that we just have to deal with at one point or another. And whilst it's important to make space for it and listen to the anger, perhaps outside of the heat of the moment, you can sit down together calmly and talk about what leads to it and how the anger impacts you both. The other thing people hate is their relationship with money. (gasps) Oh God, I know, I know, admin. It might not sound like the sexiest thing on the planet, but to try to get past any financial incompatibility, our therapists recommend talking openly about money and trying to better understand your own relationship with it. Now, something else that people don't really like about their partner is their social awkwardness. Oh, now, are you the socially awkward one in a relationship or am I? Is it the podcast listener or the podcast host? Fortunately, there's some help on hand. Uh, So Dr. Charlotte says that to get past this, you have to remember that you need to be your partner's biggest cheerleader in social situations. So acknowledge your discomfort and embarrassment and remember how hard and complicated it is to be a social human being. And then then try not to fit in. See what happens when you embrace your partner's quirks. Yeah, even if it means that they're not going to go down well with the tribe. Just remember that quirks are what make us interesting and unique. So next time your partner tells a joke to the audience, make sure you laugh the loudest, even if the rest of the room is silent. <laughs> or even if it's a really bad dad joke. <laughs> 
Are you relating to any of this? Oh my God, there is loads more really great advice. Just head to the article, The Most Common Things People Secretly Hate About Their Partners, According to Therapists, over at metro.co.uk. But don't go before you've listened to this week's chat with my fabulous guest. Ladies and gentlemen, gays and theys, this week's guest has been working in the adult industry for 12 years and has spent the last three exploring extreme kinks and taking her followers with her as she learns <clears throat> the ropes. But how do you begin a career that caters to the more extreme kinksters? I've asked her on to find that out. It's Skull Candy Brie. Skull <laughs> Candy Brie. What a name. Where did that come from? I have a fascination with skulls and just anything dead. So um, I kind of wanted to also make it like appealing. So I guess I ended, I added candy and then Brie is my name. So. <laughs> wow. Is that what you've got sewn in your underwear? That is the kind of question my mum would ask. I would actually really love if somebody purchased me a pair of underwear that said skull candy Brie on it. So if anyone wants to buy me some. <laughs> <laughs> we can we can put it in your PE kit. Absolutely fine. Um, so Brie, where did this all start for you? So explain what it is you do and how you started. Sure. Um, I I mean, I started in the adult industry when I was 18 years old. Um, I started doing cam work. Um, I did a couple porn shoots um, back then. And it was all just very, like, typical porn, regular, like, vanilla kind of stuff, I guess you would say. It wasn't until... Um, 2020 that I I was working with um, a photographer and another model and she said to me that there was another producer that she had just recently worked with who was looking for other models and she was like oh it's a bondage shoot would you be interested in in going and I was like yeah sure I thought I would just go get paid make money and then you know be on my way Um, but I he tied me up and put tape on my mouth and I just had to pose in these like positions and act like the damsel in distress. And I had so much fun and I just wanted to dive into it. And I wanted to know how I could do this every single day. So I created a fet life. I started looking for events. I started finding out who could tie me up. I just immersed myself in the kink community and I've been heavily immersed in it ever since. I mean, that is quite a young age to start in adults industry, 18. What made you want to just leap in? I mean, <laughs> I, just, I just feel like you got your passport and went, hooray, let's get my knockers out. <laughs> I was, uh, it was a means of survival at that point in time. I literally just didn't know what else to do. So it was very, it was, it was a time in my life where I was not, aware of like which direction I wanted to take and this just seemed like it was going to be something that I could do I didn't really need I didn't need um experience I just I just dove into it and just kind of went from there um I it it hasn't been a consistent um uh choice of work the entire 12 years it's been kind of like off and on I've had other jobs here and there um I had a period of incarceration for a little bit you know which like was a big part of my story so I I had a break from it f- for that period of time um but yeah I just 
and it's, it's just always something that I keep coming back to, you know, I've grown so much since then. And it's been, it's just taught me so much about myself and like how to advocate for myself and to understand like what consent means and negotiating and how to like, yeah, I feel like I've developed a much stronger voice for myself through it. So I love that. Those, I think those are such keen skills that, especially like as women, we're just never taught, you know, stuff like advocating for yourself, consent and pleasure, how to have pleasure for yourself. So you create your content for yourself, for for your followers. Are you on like a OnlyFans situation? Sure. Yeah, I have several um, platforms that I upload to. Um, so I upload to um, MyFet, OnlyFans, ManyVids, Clips for Sale, Gumroad is the newer one. Um, I feel like there's loyal fans, you know, so I just kind of like dump all of my content, you know, and just see where it sticks. I think there is a bit of a, a speculation that if you want to go into the adult industry and you want to create your, your own content like this, that it's it's going to be easy. But you've just reeled off 10 different platforms and I'm already exhausted. So <laughs> It's exhausting doing it. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. What kind of myths do you come up against? Did you think, all right, I'll just go into uh, into this and it'll be easier? Or what kind of thing have you been surprised about? Really just like how much work it actually is, you know, I I feel like there's a really large misconception that like us creators, all we do is like take pictures of ourselves and make tons of money. Like that's not how it is. Like from the moment I wake up till the time I go to sleep, you know, I'm, I'm in work mode and I have to constantly be thinking of like how I can monetize the next day, you know, um, because I don't have the luxury of clocking into a nine to five job, you know, and clocking out. And then my work day is done. Like my work day continues, you know, all throughout the evening. Um, my brain is constantly on. So, um, having that awareness has been a lot. Um, I'm currently, like I I mentioned earlier before we started recording, um, I am in the process of turning, um, this house into a studio space. So I have taken a break from actually recording and uploading and editing and all that, um, to create my studio. Um, so this is just like the bedroom area that I shoot in. Um, out in the living room, I've created like a whole dungeon space, you know, and that in itself is like, it's a lot of work, you know, (laughs) so here I am thinking I'm just going to be like a cam model or, you know, a content creator. And here I am like, you know, finding out where, how to put, you know, attach things to studs in the wall and I'm became a painter and, you know, so it's like, there's a lot of hats that you have to put on. What makes you do that? Like, what makes you go from, okay, I'm just going to keep this nice and simple to I'm going to remodel my whole house? I think I just, how do I describe this? Yes, there's a passion behind it. And I just see the potential for more and for better. And I I don't want to miss out on it, on being able to create better things, you know? Um, I also... Um, I do some domination work. I do I do in-person sessions, you know, so creating a space like where I can have sessions, you know, is like also very important to me, you know, and like creating a safe space to be able to do that in is like important. So, yeah, I just like I just see opportunities and I just I want I want to take them. 
It'll probably put a couple of grand on the house price as well. You never know. There's not. I can imagine there's not that many houses in Texas that come with their own dungeon space. So it might be. Well, definitely. <laughs> so what kind of requests do you get? What is your speciality? So um, primarily it has been damsel in distress um, or CNC type content. CNC is uh, consensual non-consent. So I am consenting to a, like, non-consensual scene, if that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, a lot of people, when, when I first got into, like, the kink scene, um, I started off as the damsel, the person having tape put on my mouth and being tied up, and I am just, like, writhing and struggling and, you know, whatever happens, happens kind of thing. Um, it has been a really interesting niche to explore um and that's been like my primary focus um I've also delved into a lot of like foot fetish content so anything from like foot worship to um foot jobs to trampling um to foot smothering anything along those lines um and then of course like dom work as well that that's a, a just barely scratching the surface there but it's been a lot of fun. Is it like by request or is it just like, oh, oh, I've got a brilliant idea for a video today. Let's try this. I, I've just immersed myself in the community so heavily that I see a lot of other models um, catering to certain fetishes. And if I feel comfortable exploring it, like I, I start to explore it on my own um, or when I work with other people, I had a, a friend of mine say, hey, um, burping is a thing on clips for sale can you can you belch and I was like hell yeah I can belch so we started like making burping clips together you know so it's a combination of me just like following my friends online and seeing what they're doing seeing if I feel comfortable exploring it and then just like working with other people yeah exploring it that way but I have had requests before where people will like specifically ask me for certain fetishes to cater to certain fetishes so have you got any particular favorite i really enjoy i I really enjoy the the damsel in distress ones um i just i I love going into rope i love being tied up it feels really good um and i feel like i can kind of sink into that character really really well um i've had a couple requests uh requests of me pegging other people that has been really fun just like the amount of power you feel, like, as a, I, I identify as a woman, like, a, a, um, a cisgendered uh, woman, and when you put on a strap-on, like, there's, like, sense of, like, you know, like, you feel like nobody can fuck with you kind of thing, you know, so that's been a lot of fun to explore. <laughs> and then I have, and then I'll get, like, the super strange ones that are just fun. I have a guy who um, I was working with him quite frequently a couple years ago. I haven't had a request from him lately, but he wanted me to just, like, stuff pantyhose in my mouth. And it was, like, an easy, like, $100, you know, $150, you know? (laughs) So it's just, like, some of them are, like, quite ridiculous, but I'm like, hey, man, like, whatever it is that, like, works for you, like, and if you're purchasing porn in an ethical way, like, I would love to create it for you, so... I love, I love how much fun you're having with it. And I, I really want to talk to you about, because I think there's going to be lots of people who 
are always thinking about OnlyFans. We're going through so much at the moment. There's like cost of living crisis and actual wars and stuff. So when it comes to keeping yourself safe and sane behind the camera, what are some of your top tips? Um, Really just like pay attention, like pay attention to yourself, pay attention to what your body and your brain is telling you. You know, um, I... I have made and I still make this mistake um, where I will work myself to exhaustion, you know, Um, and sometimes I just don't know when to stop. Um, So having I I have a partner who um, helps me and helps me like recognize like when I need to take a fucking break, (laughs) you know, Um, I sometimes I just don't know when to stop. So having like accountability and having people around me who have like my best interests at heart and who care about me and like my mental and emotional well-being has been so helpful because it's hard for me to see it myself because when I just get in like work mode and when I'm alone I just get stuck in that work mode but if there are other people around who can like advocate for me to me and say hey like you need to slow down like let's go for a walk or let's go for a swim, you know, let's just hang out and like watch a movie or something, you know? So it's like, it's really lovely having people around who can like, um, help me take those breaks that I need. How do you find those people? Like, cause you have to trust, like I found like knowing who to trust is, can be a really difficult thing. So where, at what point do you start saying, well, look, this is what I do, or do they already know? How do you start finding those advocates? Oh, man, yeah, that's a really great topic. So I um, I primarily hang out with other people who are sex positive or who are sex-informed, um, people who aren't going to be judgmental in that way. Um, I So I met my partner at a photo shoot, which was a kinky photo shoot. So obviously, you know, there was like not really that disconnect. Like we were, yeah, already both in it. I I try to, here's the thing also. It's like being a sex worker, like it it can be dangerous. For uh, Violence against sex workers is a real thing and it is a real issue. So it's like, I can't just like go out into the vanilla world and just like tell everybody like, hey, I'm a sex worker. I do videos. I do dom work. Like, because I don't, I can't trust everybody. Like you said, you know? So, um, it does take some time for me to actually open up to people about that certain area of my life. Um, I kind of look for cues, um, from them first. Um, I, I don't know, like, this sounds like so surface level and maybe this is not the right path for everyone to take, but it's how I view it. Like I, I try to see like what people's political views are and if they are going to advocate, you know, for, you know, people of color or for sex workers or, you know, for, um, low income housing, you know, that, that kind of, you know, that demographic of people, because like those are typically going to, or, you know, for women's rights, you know, those are typically going to be the people who are not going to like judge my line of work, you know? And if I feel comfortable and like, and if they say enough things that like makes me feel comfortable that they're going to accept me for who I am and like what I do, um, then maybe I'll like kind of like let them into that side of my life. Um, Typically, I don't with, like, the vanilla community just because there's a lot of risk there. Um, so I I find a lot of my closest connections 
are um, with people who are sex positive, who are in the industry. Um, I go to like kink events. Um, I, you know, so people who actually understand kink and consent and negotiating and boundaries and clear communication who are sex positive, you know, those are the types of people that I try to surround myself with. I really love that that you're finding all these great things from the kink community, like you said, like negotiation. What else have been some of the things that you found in the kink community that you've taken into your your real life, into your mentality? Again, um, advocating for myself, consent, and really like paying attention to other people's like comfort levels because like in kink, I found that I have learned so much about just like the human experience and how to not only advocate for myself, but how to recognize when someone isn't advocating for themselves, you know? So I am hyper aware now of when someone else could potentially be feeling uncomfortable, you know, and it doesn't even have to be like in a kink scene or any kind of like dynamic in that way. Like, it's made me more aware. It's made me like actually like take a step back and like ask somebody like, Hey, um, is what I said? Okay. Or, you know, would you rather me, um, approach you in this way? You know, like, do you need a minute to yourself? Like, how can I be helpful? You know, it's, it's just made me so more aware of like how I can show up for other people because through kink, I discovered that I need for people to show up for me in a certain way when I'm feeling not so great, or if I am feeling great. And so it, it's helped me tune into like other people's emotions and like what their desires may be and actually giving them like a safe space to be able to like speak on that. And and be able to give your, yourself that, that voice. That can be something that, uh, one of the biggest questions that we constantly get asked is how do I start talking to my partner about my kink? And how do I tell them about my fetish? And the fact that you, that that people can't do that when they're in a, a relationship with someone. I mean, I, okay. I mean, what, what would be your advice? <laughs> I know it sounds really basic, but what would be your advice to start setting up that safe space so people could start talking about their, their kinks and, and fantasies? Sure. I think being okay with knowing that the per- the other person may not be into it. You know, I think, I think we're so hyper-focused or, um, what, what drives that fear could be a lot of us just like being scared of how someone else is going to react to what we have to say, you know, or what our desire is. So like, I think acknowledging that fear, right. And, and knowing that that fear is there is that's okay. You know, like knowing that this other person might have an adverse reaction to it, you know, how can I prepare myself for this? Like, adverse reaction if it does come right also like we want to hope for the best like hopefully like ideally like they would be like oh fuck yeah that's my kink too like let's get into it you know um that that may not always happen and so just having like a good support group you know people that you can trust like you can't really find those people who like understand your kinks or your desires or you know the things that you want to explore unless you actually do talk about it so um whether it's like you know with a romantic partner or if it's just like a friend group you know other people who 
indulge in these kinks. You know, the, the online kink community is so vast. And I guarantee if you log into FetLife, you know, <laughs> you will find your kink there somewhere. <laughs> you know, so there are people who explore all sorts of things. So maybe just like do research, learn more about your specific kink, know that there are other people who might have a similar kink um, or fetish, um, maybe befriend some of those people, maybe not in a romantic sense. Um, and so when you finally do meet that person who, you know, you want to explore that with, you know, and you're unsure of like whether or not they would be into it, you have a uh, like a community of people who can support you through that, you know, if it doesn't like work out, you know, because it's, we we don't have to like navigate this alone like we have technology we have an online community you know vast online community of people who are like into all these like taboo things you know and it's okay as long as you're not causing any harm and as long as everyone consents to what is happening you know um I don't see an issue with like exploring extreme kinks you know or things that are considered weird or taboo or just you know kind of out there I think whatever it's so funny I also work part-time at a strip club out here um in Texas and um there's this one time where a guy came in and he uh he had no idea that I'm into BDSM at all and he was talking about how there was a he was like online or something and that there was a guy on there who wanted to indulge in like sissy play you know and the guy, you know, on online was like, you know, dressed up and was getting pegged and had makeup put on, you know, and then he also indulged in like putt play kind of thing. And, um, and the guy who was sitting at the bar was like, man, some people are just weird. They're just sick, you know, and just like super judgmental. And I looked at him and I was like, but you know what? Like, he's probably having the best orgasms of his life. Like, you know, like he's able to like, you know, kind of settle into like what he is experiencing and like what he likes and enjoys. And he is enjoying it to the fullest because he's able to walk through that discomfort or the shame if it's there, you know, and, and he's able to just like accept himself and have a great time, like good for him. You know, and like, who are you? Who the fuck are you to judge? Like, you know, embrace it. We often find, especially people who come from like marginalized communities and marginalized body shapes that um, we get, a, you know, a lot of people who are like, oh, well, I've got a fetish about them, but wouldn't want to, you know, do anything else. And it's like, mate, you are missing out. If you want to spend the rest of your life with someone who you don't actually find attractive or you could be like the Hugh Hefner and be embracing these body types, you know, if it's if you're not doing it in an objectified way, but if you're doing it in a respectful way, then, oh, my God, it just it blows my mind that people would rather live in shame and judgment rather than explore their fantasies. But you, you let everyone explore their fantasies and you teach them about it in Gag University where you act. You're you're such an innocent student, but a wooden melt. And here you are learning all about the kinkiest stuff. Tell me about that. That those were actually a series of customs that um, was requested of me and uh, a few others. Um, oh man! Oh, I feel so bad right now. I cannot remember his name. He ordered several videos from me, but we um, 
put together a series of clips where I was like a student, you know, at Gagney University. And it was just a compilation of videos where um, he would actually hire other models. I think one of them was actually out, out where you're at in the UK. Um, and so we, we did um, a series of videos where she would like call me you know, um, and we would like be talking to each other, um, and like convincing each other to, oh, we, we did like a competition where I was like, okay, well, I'm going to handcuff myself and gag myself and you have to do the same thing. So whoever can get out of it quicker, you know, that they win, you know? And so it was like just a video of us just like struggling to get out of like our gag and our handcuffs and stuff, you know? And there was a couple others where I was a student, like, being reprimanded in school. And so I had to put a gag on because I wouldn't stop talking kind of thing. So, oh, my God, I completely forgot about that. That is so funny. (laughs) (laughs) What is your wind down routine? What is the the thing that you do to kind of to to stop skull candy brie and go into your your real life so that you're you're not thinking, oh, I could be online right now or I could be making money right now. At what point do you go, no, I have to stop and I need my 12 hours or however many hours personal time? This is work phone and this is my personal phone. Um, I, when I am not working, this phone goes away. Um, So personal phone, that is my personal social media, my personal personal contacts, my family, my partners, my close friends have access to that phone number. Um, This one is my Skull Candy Brie, Instagram, Twitter, OnlyFans, many vids, you know, all the phone numbers of producers that I work with, other models that I work with, you know, that it lives on this phone. When I need a break, this goes away and I don't look at it. Even driving through traffic when I only had one phone um, and it was like personal and work life like combined in one, I would be at a a stoplight at a red light and I would be trying to answer emails like work emails, you know, like that's not, (laughs) that was too much. Um, And so like I'm literally driving like there's no reason why I need to check emails at a red light, you know. Um, that can wait until I get home when I can like decompress and like give my full attention to it. So yes, like separate. And then, um, again, like creating the studio, like I have a studio now and then I have a personal home. Um, so like having that separation where I can like unplug when I leave this place, when I leave my studio, like I'm home, I'm not, I don't have this phone on me. I don't, um, that is time for me to cook food, hang out with my dogs and just relax. I think that's such a great tip. I think people, I think more people need to know that anyway. We live in such a society where everything comes up on your phone and you feel like whether you're, you know, whether you're a content creator or whether you're, you know, an admin assistant, but it's like, bing, bing, bing. Oh, straight away, your email, you have to answer. It feels like more people need to have two phones and I certainly need to have two houses. That is something that I'm going to put on my... On my manifestation list. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of things are you looking forward to in the future? What are you building up to? I want to get into more of a producer role. Um, I would love to hire because I just I love working with other models. That has just proven to be a really 
I, I feel so connected to other models and I am just so, I, I, I advocate for the safety of models so much. Um, and in working with like multiple, multiple producers myself, like I've been in some like not so safe situations or situations where maybe I didn't feel comfortable. So I would love to just create that safe space, um, for models to come work, get paid and feel safe and comfortable through it. That that's kind of like the direction that I'm heading in right now. I'd I'd come. I'll pop along. I'll pop along for a cup of tea. You don't have to film me, but I'll definitely come along. Thank you so much for having a chat with me, Brie. If people want to find you, where can they find you? So um my uh Twitter is um at school candy brie, um Instagram at sugar school brie. You can find me on OnlyFans, on many vids, on my fet, clips for sale, it's all skull skull candy brie. Thank you so much for joining us on Smut Drops. Skull Candy Bree! Thank you so much. Thank you all for listening to this week's Smut Drop. Next week, I'm going to be chatting to one of the world's oldest page three girls. So please send me any questions you've got for her. I'm that Miranda Kane on Instagram, where you can slide into my DMs or Twitter as Miri Kane, or you can email smutdrop at metro.co.uk. I've been Miranda Kane. Smut Drop was produced by Pineapple Audio Production for metro.co.uk. And I will be back to prick up your ears next week. Bye.